Our roles as parents comes with authority and there is so much purpose in that. Once authority has diminished or if it is under threat, that means our role as well as the relationship that we have with our children is under threat. Listen in as me and my wife have an amazing conversation concerning a few things that we want to avoid in order to maintain authority and function in our roles as we should. Welcome to Blended. I am your host, Jeremiah Wallace, and my goal is to see blended families thriving. If you are navigating this experience, then you're in the right place. This podcast is purposed to provide support, information, and the encouragement that we need to fulfill our family's potential. What is going on, people? We have a very special guest. I don't know if I'm special at this point. You are. Yeah, you're you're an infrequent flyer still. So you're a special guest, people. I believe that a lot of the listeners want to hear from you because, you know, I'm just one side of the coin. I feel like I'm a good side of the coin. I'd say I'm, I'm head, heads in your tails, right? That's a little rude, but actually accurate. That's yeah. pretty accurate. Because yeah. you're like, okay, and I'm got just it. like, let yeah. me think about it. Is that the sound that it even uh, makes? Yes, <laughs> I it. believe so. She's the caca. Um, and I'm I, the caca? Yeah, she's the caca. And I am the heads. Uh, Woo, you the, said heads. Strong start. Okay, so today um, I was going to record this subject myself and talk about it but i was thinking that we can invite my wife into the situation we can have an open conversation smart because we both parent together we both parent together um, and we are very in tune with one another but we do not absolutely agree upon every single thing and that is likely the case in all homes but working through it together Mm -hmm. and still working together despite whether beliefs are one thing or another it's important it's a process um it's an evolving process so we're inviting you into a a fun conversation for us and who knows how it's gonna go who knows (laughs) but uh looking forward to it today we are talking about how to lose authority as a parent and we have experienced this personally as far as some of our missteps. And we also understand based on our roles and how we are called to function, what things that we should avoid in order to maintain our authority in the lives of our children. Anything, yeah. anything on that? No, I'm excited to get into it. We, It's like Jeremiah said, we don't agree on everything but when it comes down to it we stand as a united front especially in front of our children absolutely and as far as the authority component is concerned it applies essentially to all adults involved but i want to speak primarily on the parental influences and that includes the step parent or and i think i feel like this is so good for somebody that is in process to becoming a step parent as well to have this information to know that you aren't eventually getting authority obviously again it evolves and you grow in your authority as you get accustomed to what's happening the kids get familiar with you you guys grow um, personally together um, but you have authority a degree of it from day one and you continue to step into that 
as time goes. And that can't always be easy, especially since if if you weren't a parent before, and then you're stepping into parenthood with someone that might be younger or older. That's that comes with its own challenges for sure. Yeah, it is. It's tricky, but for、uh, prospective step parents or the newbies,、um, fresh meat is what I call them. I don't call new step parents no, fresh meat. <laughs>、um, but you have authority. You absolutely do, even though you feel like. You don't.、Um, we're you work through it together with your partner,、um, but authority in our roles is absolutely essential. Without it, we cannot function in the lives of our children as we are supposed to, and therefore, our leadership, our influence, is diminished. And that's not something that we want. We don't want that for their sake, nor do we want it for our, for our sake as parents, because without the authority or as much as we're supposed to function with. There is a lack of. There can be a lack of respect, or an inability to receive,、um, as far as our kids receiving from us, whether they de- desire to do so or they're capable. Sometimes our kids, like I just can't receive from you,、um, and this applies to a lot of new step parents or maybe some parents that they've they've seen make some mistakes. It、yeah. ha- it happens to all of us,、um, but we can absolutely right the ship. The point is not to be perfect and get it right every time, but to recognize when there needs to be a change and when you can make a change and how you go about doing it. Yep, absolutely.、Um, so there are a few things that a few points that we want to focus on as far as things that we do or can do that. Will threaten our authority in the lives of our children. How we can lose authority in their lives in our role if these things are present in our homes and within our relationship with our children. And there are so many things. There are a ton of things, but I feel like these are a sneaky three that have、uh, much more of an impact than we know. And the the first thing. That we do at times, or we can do, we have done that threaten our authority is cursing, curse words, bad words,、mm-hmm. and I feel like that's like eh, not everybody is on the same page with that as far as the power of our words. It、mm-hmm. says in the Bible,、um, life and death is in our tongues. And we actually experienced this firsthand because, no, we haven't, you know, killed our children with our words.、Um, <laughs> but we had, we did an experiment years ago with an apple that we cut in half. It was cut evenly, and one part of the apple, one half, we were saying positive, affirming words, and then the other apple, the other half, we were saying negative words. And we did this for a 21-day period, I believe,、mm-hmm. and the difference was absolutely astounding. And we do believe that there are the spiritual ramifications of our words, but like there is a very apparent impact that transpired with both halves of that apple. Did you want to speak on? Yeah, no, they were just for some clarity. They were in the same room. They were both in Ziploc bags, the same、mm-hmm. type. So same temperature. We didn't do anything crazy with either of them outside of just saying positive words and negative words. 
um, positive to one, negative to the other. And it was crazy how quickly the ones we said negative words to started rotting. Yeah. And we have pictures. It's really neat. The kids got to experience that. We probably should do it again, honestly, because we've got gained two kids since then. Mm -hmm. But it was powerful for myself uh, to see the impact that it had on a fruit. Um, can you imagine on a person individually, their mind, and essentially their body? Yeah. And once we were done with the experiment, we didn't touch it. There was no physical contact. But at the end of it, I touched the apple that we were affirming and saying positive words to. I touched it and it was still strong. Obviously, over time, it had, um, you know, it spoiled to some degree. But compared to the other one, outwardly, it was extremely different, Um, but it still had some life in it. It still Mm -hmm. had some um, it was still firm to a degree. And I was so shocked when I touched the, the, the one we were saying negative words to and how hollow it was like my finger Went through it immediately. So, so, gross. so not only was it like clearly and apparently different, and it had spoiled so much quicker on the outside, but on the inside, it had no life. Um, and that was mm. that was a powerful thing for all of us to experience. It was fairly shocking because yes, we are familiar with the things of God. I slip up with curse words sometimes there are times when i do that it's a, it's a real thing there we're not we're not perfect over here but like to experience that firsthand was very eye-opening yeah and i think you're like so what is cursing doesn't necessarily mean it's negative but typically when you are cursing you are in a more negative space some people mm-hmm. do it for fun and it's just natural for them um but the choice of choose of choosing a specific word over a curse word can be more influence, uh, influential to your kids than a curse word. Yeah. And on that point, as far as what curse words are typically associated with as far as context, context, it, they're typically negative mm-hmm. um, instances. Like when you think of violence, when you think of disputes, when you think of anger, like curse words tend to be present when those emotions are being felt or when there's an exchange between people or just frustrations. Yes, sometimes people are so accustomed with cursing and familiar with it. They can say something like, I effing I love you. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's a casual thing because it's just part of their lives. But when you think really about where curse words are exchanged or what the mindset is or what the setting is, it's typically a negative association. And that's typically whenever I've heard you personally. Yeah. Person, whenever I have. Yeah. It has to be pretty extreme. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes we see like, and it breaks my heart when I, when we see like a kid on some type of social media, dude is like five or six years old and, you know, cursing up a storm or reciting, lyrics to a song and like it's just it's heartbreaking to see like a child say curse words and to do it fair pretty effectively and when you think about that kid's experience i know in the in the moment initially some of us are like oh that's hilarious oh that's crazy that that kid is saying these words and there's this uh shock factor or this humor that's associated with it but when you really think of the heart of the situation 
that kid has been saturated, likely, with yeah. curse words, with music, with fighting in the home, with all types of things in order for them to get to a point where they're able to do that. Um, casually. Casually. It yeah. is su- like it should be heartbreaking for us to witness such a thing because the environment the mind of that child has been impacted in such a way. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of a video I probably saw several weeks ago, a month ago of a little kid, probably six, between six and eight years old. But this also applies to the older kids that are more so exposed to this stuff at school, even if it's not present that much, if at all at home. Um, but like just kids cursing. Yeah, it, it, it's it's hard. And I, I, I think that another part of cursing is the words stupid, um, idiot, um, and things of that nature. Uh, if you're using those words to, to your kids, it's going to affect them much more than you know. Like if you tell your kids stop being so stupid or stop being an idiot, like it might seem very, very simple to you, but it, it affects them deeply. I know that personally because when I was younger had an adult in my life tell me I was stupid and never going to amount to anything. And that, like, that stuck with me more than I knew. And uh, you might not be doing it in that fashion, but that word stupid holds a lot of weight. Yeah, absolutely. And also, last thing on the cursing, um, when a child is cursing or they're exposed to it, you're essentially giving them the right, because we are the examples if we're walking around cursing, then we're just like, hey, this is something that you can do. I, and it's, you know, it's crazy that in some scenarios, a parent or the authority present in the home is cursing, but they're telling their kids not to. And that's not cool. That's super confusing. But for yeah. those that are cursing and allowing our children to adopt the same lingo, it is a threat to your relationship. And again, your authority, because curse words are typically what from, from a child's perspective like this is an adult thing mm-hmm. like some kids love cursing because they feel more adult they feel more mature um and we want to be able to connect with our children but we have to be very particular about what we are connecting on like we don't want to connect on the level of we don't want to see eye to eye concerning language like there should be a chasm between us and our children in some areas and that should not be tampered with when it comes to language definitely so there's a an example of there's a a mother that we know a single mother um that is super accustomed to cursing um like I don't know if sailors have anything on her, to be honest. And like we have to tell her before she comes in our house, hey, just watch the language. And <laughs> it's just I can't imagine what it consists of in her home with her children. But I can at the same time because of how it's impacted her children. What are they? F- five, six years old. Um, and it broke my heart The about two months ago when she was hanging out. Her daughter said to her, I hate you. And she said it with a smile on her face. And that is a result of what she's been exposed to. And in the, at that point, her mom didn't need that. Her mom was struggling big time. Yeah. She didn't need to hear from her child, I hate you. But 
this the years of conditioning and essentially telling her child that like this is okay like this is how we talk you have i i have the right to talk like this and i'm giving you the right therefore they can see supposedly eye to eye to a degree again in an area where there should be a chasm we should not see eye to eye when it comes to curse words and her daughter's comfortable enough to say i hate you um like that that was tough that was really tough and i think that sometimes it's hard to come back from getting to that level but you can yeah um it takes time it takes intentionality and um there's another thing i wanted to say on it again not everyone's going to agree with cursing some people will say like lighten up it's not that serious um but again it's the mindset it's where they are in their mindset and how they relate to you as a parent in general so uh, keep that in mind and in our experience we've seen the benefit of us not cursing in front of our kids and we've seen um the awkwardness our five-year-old for whatever reason loves curse words she doesn't say them but if someone she giggles and she well if someone cursed at school she'll come tell me like mom someone said a bad word she's like i can't say it but she's laughing and so i'll tell her come come to the room come tell me what it is and she's cracking up the whole time she's telling me this curse word and so um again that's probably because she knows it can't fly in this house so the little rebellious part of her wants to partake but um allowing your kids to know what's right and what's wrong when it comes to speaking to one another and us will allow us to have more authority in their life. Absolutely. Um, So that's the first one. And I feel like there are a lot of people are going to, I hope that's eye opening for a lot of people. And I feel like there is also a group of people that will relate to that 100%. Yeah. Um, And some people will be annoyed and that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry guys. Sorry. I'm we're threatening your language (laughs) um but the second thing that i want to talk about we want to talk about concerning how to lose authority is lying it's a big one that is a very big one i think it's big because trust is gigantic when it comes to our relationship with our children Mm -hmm. and if we lose trust if we are just imagine a child you've likely witnessed it that believes Santa Claus is real. I wasn't going to touch on that subject, uh, but it's my favorite. (laughs) um, And like... People are going to hate this topic. I know, I know. I'm not saying don't (laughs) tell your children about Santa Claus. We don't do this this home because I don't want people thinking there is an obese white man that's going to come in our home in the middle of the night. I just don't want... (laughs) I don't want them believing that, okay? But I feel like when we realize or when we see a child that has the revelation at some point after years of believing Santa Claus is real, like those people are typically devastated. Yeah. It breaks their heart because there was this truth, um, that they knew of and that they understood that they believed in with all they had. And then once that was, the rug was pulled from up under them, they realized that they had been lied to. It's devastating. Yeah. It's devastating for a lot of reasons. That's a loaded thing. It's associated with presence and all this stuff. So it's a different thing. But to a degree, that applies very much to our day-to-day relationship and our experience with our children when they find out at certain points that they've been lied to, like they haven't been told the truth. And 
it, it, it's just really harmful and it threatens our authority and the relationship that we have with them. They don't easily trust anymore. Uh, typically, our kids trust us. Everything we tell them from when they're younger, but as if there's lies present, then there's they take more time to trust. It takes they ask more questions, which is fine, but in the in, with the intention of trying to prove what you're saying to be wrong as opposed to proving what you're saying to be no. the truth. So Lying has always been something that we have been against in our home to the best of our ability. I have done a couple white lies, you know. Um, <laughs> great lies. They were great ones. Um, I said gray. Gray. Oh, <laughs> I said gray. Um, some, some lies. Um, but anyway, it, it's been huge for us to just tell the truth. If our kids are asking us about a hard subject, we'll explain it to them at their level. Mm-hmm. We're not pretending that something doesn't exist. We're not pretending that something does exist or that someone cares for them that has never actually been around. Yeah. We're being honest about where they're at. And we've had to do that, especially in the blended family. You know, we have our oldest daughter. Um, and so she has another part of her family. And then we have our eight-year-old that has another part of her family. And so we're honest about what's going on, why they're in the situation they're at, but at their level. We're not demeaning anybody while we're doing it, but the lies are not going to be present because we won't be the people that they don't trust because they've already had enough of that in their life. Absolutely. And when we don't tell them the truth, they are left to contextualize what they experience themselves and their brain does not have the capacity to accurately paint the picture of what is happening Mm -hmm. and it's unfortunate that we have to share certain truths with our children and i don't say i don't like i don't i don't believe that it's a matter of we should i feel like we absolutely have to Mm -hmm. let them know certain things like it is a right that they have and they deserve to have some information concerning the things that are transpiring or what has happened. Um, and again, you can do this in such a way that we're not demeaning anybody. We are not being hurtful or trying to harm the relationship that our child potentially has with the other party. Um, but again, for the sake of context, it's important for us to share with them the truth just in general just to be a person of integrity a person that is honest and the things that you say they can depend on but also when they go through something and they are hurt like for us we've had to do a lot of consoling and when we're put in that position that oftentimes we'll keep our mouth shut like go through we want you to, to experience and understand firsthand what is happening. But when we it gets to a point where we see that their well-being is threatened, we come in and again, again, we're not demeaning, but we want to provide a little bit of truth. In context. Contextualize the situation so that they can accurately make some decisions and understand what's happening within themselves, emotionally, um, intellectually, and how like we can proceed moving forward and, and how it helps us to support them the right way. And I feel this is so important. Um, I feel like I have to make this point. If you have a significant other that you're bringing into your kid's life, do not make them family members before 
you have a serious mm-hmm. commitment. Yeah. Don't say this is your uncle so-and-so or your auntie so-and-so or this is my brother or this is my friend while they're moved in with you and shacked up with you. That sends an s- extremely mixed signal. Yeah. And it it really can mess somebody up. Absolutely. If, if their uncle is living with them, sleeping with their mom, does that make it okay for them to be with, you know, somebody, you know, that's a family member? Their, their brother when they're older, their mm-hmm. sister when they're older. It's really confusing. So um, if you don't believe... if you, And typically when you're doing that, it's because you are not comfortable with it and you don't think it's right. So if you don't think it's right, don't do it. Um, and if you need to better invite or... Um, what's the word? Introduce, sorry. If you need to introduce somebody in a different way, introduce somebody in a different way. But I really strongly suggest and recommend that you don't lie to your kids about who that other person is. If you're not ready to have introduced them as your, somebody you're seeing, then don't let them meet your kids yet. Yeah. Period. And this is a, this is a whole, that's a whole different Topic. subject. I know. No, but it is, <laughs> but it's true. Mm-hmm. Even when sometimes people want to refer to myself or Margo um, as, hey, they want to introduce us. Hey, this is Uncle Jeremiah. This is Auntie Margo. We're like, nope. <laughs> That is literally not my role in their lives. We know that you care about this little person. This is an important person to you. I don't know them. I don't want them to believe mm-hmm. that I am functioning in their lives in the, in, the, in this capacity because uncles have a special and very unique role. Mm-hmm. So please don't refer to me as uncle. So Mr. or Mrs. Mr. or Mrs. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's a sweet gesture. Um, and I've discussed this to a degree in the episode, know your role, super good, by the way. And it's such a important thing that allows for us to protect our children. But again, we we're telling them the truth. We want yeah. them to know the truth and we want to be honest with them because such the two very important things that we want to provide for our children is consistency as well as security. Yeah. When we're not truthful, when we're not being honest with them, we are inconsistent and therefore the children end up being insecure and insecure children will likely be insecure adults. Yeah. And I know that some of us struggle with this topic in particular because we know on the other end there's so much lying and deception and inconsistency taking place and we're the stable ones and it's so difficult to see the adoration and the feelings that our children have toward this other party that literally is not functioning in such a way that suggests that they have their best interest in mind while we're over here being consistent I'm telling you, like in this house, there's drama because our kids have room to express themselves yeah. in a a more combative way versus on the other side. It's Disneyland because they don't feel they have the room to be honest and express their hurt and to make things uncomfortable. So things can be uncomfortable in this home. And I oftentimes have to remind myself that that's exactly what we want. We want yeah. them to to be able to express themselves. I've I, I I'm a man that can take some things personally, especially when when, when I feel we're doing right by them. But it, it's it's crucial that we are that consistency and that security. That's those things are founded in being truthful. 
Yeah, and it can get tiring, you guys. I I can vouch for that. I understand that. It can get tiring, but in the end, our role is so significant in their life, and so how we how we operate in that role is vital. Yeah. Lying should not be the case. Lying to each other should not be the case. Lying to your children should not be the case. And allowing your children to lie to you should not be the case. Yeah. Um, and we want to be over time. We want to be that source of truth. Like they're going to experience their life. They may experience dysfunction in the other home on the other end. But when it's all said and done, when they look back, they can check the track record that they had with us and be like, no, they said this and this is how it turned out. They were consistent. They did not waver in their convictions while on this other end, relationship after relationship, back and forth. I'm going to show up. I'm not going to show up. Just all types of stuff. But on this end with us talking from the perspective of the child, when they eventually get to the point of understanding and the point where we we all want them to get to sooner than later, <laughs> but it's typically later. But they're going to be able to look back and be like, hey, no, they were truthful. They did not lie to me. They were consistent. They did right by me. And that allows for them to um, just get their security back because there are a lot of kids right now. They're insecure because the situation is dysfunctional. They're going to two different homes, having two different experiences if that's the case it's just you know it's there's a lot going on so in order for them to get their security back we need to be truthful and we need to be consistent over time and the last thing just for a reminder on that point of lying we don't want to leave our kids to figure things out on their own because they're not able to do it and if they do it when they do it they'll likely conclude something that protects them or other people and they will eventually develop some type of defensive mechanisms that serve them during their stage of adolescence there's the stage of development they're in but it will only serve them for a window of time but they'll hold on to those defensive mechanisms for life unless yeah. unless their experience is deconstructed and they can, you know, experience renewal of their minds and just like understand what 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 happened. How did it impact me? How has it affected me? And just go through that whole process. We don't want our kids having to adopt defensive mechanisms that they're going to exercise for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And I, I'd like to add that in the in the process of you trying to do it right Sometimes you're going to mess up and there's going to be dysfunction from your end. You're not going to be the one that's always consistent, but you've had enough consistency that they can recognize your efforts to fix whatever, whatever mm -hmm. you messed up. And so allowing them the opportunity to see your hum humanity is really big. Um, and so lying to them would even lying to them that you're not sad that doesn't yep, help them. Absolutely. It's good for them to see when you're hurt, when you're struggling. It's good for them to see what it looks like to go through that process. If you just try to go to your room every time you cried, every time you had difficulty, every time you had financial difficulty or relational difficulty, that's going to do more harm than good. There's been many times where Jeremiah and I um, have had a disagreement and the kids were aware or they weren't aware and they just felt what was happening mm -hmm. in the room and 
we'd have to discuss like this is what's this is what happened not in detail because they don't need to be all up in the business but letting them know no things weren't okay we talked we're good now or whatever something like that or we'll ask for forgiveness to each other in front of each other mainly jeremiah yeah. um <laughs> ask for forgiveness but so the kids can see the humanity in it they need to see how to process those things and if we lied to them and kept things from them they wouldn't be able to know yeah that's a really good point very yeah. nice this is why we're we're having a public conversation right now. She's a smart lady, guys. I get a lot of my stuff from her. No, you don't. <laughs> I do. Much of it. Um, so that, that's point number two. As far as the lying, again, cursing, lying. And lastly, and super important, is gossip mm. or slander. Mm. The, or tea. Or tea? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right? So the tea. Yeah. What That's is it? Spilling one. the tea? I don't no, know. no, no, it's not spilling the tea. What is it? I think it's spilling the tea. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. If, if that makes no sense to you, please <laughs> exonate that. I may edit this. No, <laughs> Someone will help us. Oh, but <laughs> gossip and slander, those are, it, they're so dangerous. They are, it, it's low hanging fruit in the blended family. It yeah. is, and this is where this one can get caught up. And our last point of lying, um, because you're like, oh, no, I want my kids to know the truth. I don't want to lie to them about what's happening on the other end and who their mother or their father is or what's happening with this other party. I tell them the truth. Stop it. Okay, you know what you're doing. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that's called manipulation. It is. It is. it, It is not our jobs for us to inform our kids of the absolute truth of who the person is that is raising them on the other end or has influence in their lives. And reality is you don't know. You only know from your experience, mm-hmm. right? So you couldn't, I mean, you can say from your experience, but that's not very fair. Yeah. It's, it, it's very important for our children to experience firsthand for themselves, what things are like. And as I mentioned, as we mentioned, it's important to contextualize when consoling is necessary so they mm-hmm. don't have to figure things out on their own. But as far as talking about like incessantly talking about the other parent bashing or making comments, asking questions that we don't mm-hmm. need to ask, like the questions that we ask, where did you sleep? Um who are you who are you hanging out with potentially maybe that um what were you guys up to again it's typically disneyland but it's just like we're not prying we're allowing her to experience things firsthand we're paying attention we're being vigilant so if we see things that are out of line if we see our children functioning in a way that is not consistent with who we know them to be then at that point we were, will inquire, but we will do so for their sake, first and foremost. Yeah, that's good. Um, again, we do not want to threaten the relationship and understanding that our children have with these other parties. And there are so many other parties. It's not mm-hmm. even just their parent on the other side. It's their cousins. It's the little, it's their brothers or sisters that are present. It is other grandparents like it's it is this whole spectrum happening on the other end and we don't want to threaten the relationship so we do not want to bash or say negative things what we can do while we are whether consoling or trying to help them understand is 
we can say, and we often do this, I am sorry that so-and-so did this. I'm sorry that this is going on. You don't deserve that. And when we're referring to what they don't deserve, it's not just the behavior or maybe what they were subjected to, but it's just like this confusing dynamic that we got going on. Like Mm -hmm. it's challenging. And we, when we're having these conversations, we try not to have them too frequently. We want to have them when they are necessary, not to put out a fire, but just so that they're not figuring things out on their own. Yeah, we're providing a safe place. When we see that they're all of a sudden feeling more insecure or they lack safety in their mind or um, they feel like they're not safe, that's when you want to provide a safer place for them, allowing them to, when you do talk to them, like Jeremiah was saying, asking them simple little questions about their visit, it's not to be nosy. It's so they know they're able to talk to you about their experience. Mm -hmm. They're able to, it's a safe place. It's, there's not this don't talk about what happened at mom's house or dad's house yeah. over here because they're not here. That's not fair. It's their life. Yeah. They didn't choose this life. Mm-hmm. If you cannot recall a point in time when your child would relay and like just general experience, not just like an incident or a huge moment. But if they don't feel they have the freedom to relay just the time that they had on the other end, it's possible that you want to reassess your approach. Yeah. Um, sure, the the other side, whatever that consists of, factors into this. And who knows what type of potential manipulation and things of that sort is happening on that end. Whether we know it's happening or not, it's important for us to try and extend the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, but if your child is not comfortable, if you can't recall a time where they just let you know what their day consisted of, on the other end, you might have to take a step back and say, okay, what is my approach consisted of? Have I been saying negative things? Have I threatened um, their relationship and therefore he or she is no longer comfortable with coming to me because they feel like this is not a safe place. Even if it's not to them, even if it's just to your spouse or significant other, and you're talking negatively about, you know, your ex, they pick up on that. Yep. Kids listen to everything. And so when they know that that's how you feel, or that's what you said, they're not going to feel comfortable enough to come talk to you about yep. their other parent. Yep. And I will say this. The gossiping and the slander, it doesn't just happen with children. It can happen with your love interest you can bash your ex or you can say things you can gossip concerning your former relationship with the potential step parent and that will absolutely sabotage the relationship that the step parent could potentially have with the children and it'll definitely threaten the relationship that your the step parent will have with your ex because there will be a relationship even if there is no contact a relationship is present because you guys are raising the same children. So the whole gossip and slander thing, it is extended to the children. It is also extended to the potential love interest or the step parent present at the moment. And one other point that I'll make is the fact that like gossip, slander, it introduces the theme of comparison. Like you're comparing Mm. yourself or your situation to another person or situation. And when we're gossiping and things, we're not like lifting the other person up and saying positive things. It's usually associated 
with negative remarks and just defaming the other side again when we're gossiping. So this is not something we obviously want to do with kids. It's not something that we want to practice in general, even between Margot and myself. Like we will sometimes we have to express the level of dysfunction in certain scenarios in order for us to know that we're not crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And that's private. And it is absolutely private, but it is also limited. Like the other the other day, there was a crazy call that took place out of pocket. <laughs> it was wild. It made no sense. And we're just like, wait, what just happened? And we it was were very interesting. And we're we were having to discuss this because it doesn't just impact us, the adults. This could potentially impact the child. So we're trying to sift through it a little bit. And it gets to a point where it's like, okay, last point on this, last thing we're going to discuss on this matter is this. And we need to do that in order to have the information necessary. We need to process together so that we can move forward. It's not just about us. Okay, now let's have a crap talking session about what just happened or this person. Like we can't even do that between us. Yeah. So it's it's crucial that that's just not present and again introducing the comparison factor that is not something that you want yourself doing um it's not something that you want your child doing yeah and gossip is it's it hugely affects everybody so even with um our kids if they if jeremiah frustrated one of them or if i frustrated okay i'm just gonna (laughs) because anyway um if jeremiah frustrated one of the kids and they came to me wanting to talk to me about it I'll stop them dead in their tracks. I'm like, did you talk to your dad already? If it was no, then go talk to him about it. If for whatever reason they say they can't, sometimes I'll I'll talk through it with them if they're highly emotional. But if they want to come talk crap about dad to me, it's I shut it down for two reasons. One, it doesn't give Jeremiah the opportunity to rectify a situation and to maybe give some understanding and context of what happened and why it happened or to, you know, debunk what their belief is of why he did something. It doesn't give, if, if they talk to me about it, it doesn't give them the the opportunity. And then two, it teaches them that habit of going behind someone's back and talking about them instead of going to that person. We believe if you have an issue with somebody, go to that person first. If they don't listen or if they don't give you the opportunity to speak with them, then you can maybe talk to somebody else of authority um, or somebody above you, yeah. uh, in order to to you know find a solution to it. But um, gossiping, allowing your kids to gossip, is really huge. We don't even let our kids gossip about their friends at school. If they're talking crap about those their friends, um, Jeremiah does this more than me. He'll ask, "Did you pray for that person?" You know, and we'll give some context to them too. I feel like we're using that word a lot. Context yeah, and contextualize. We'll let them know, hey, maybe that person is having a rough time at home. I have, you know, again, not to bring Abby up again, but our five-year-old, she has a hard time at school because she has a personality (laughs) and she'll come home and I know a lot of her friends' parents and their homes and she'll tell me about this one kid and how mean she is and how she cusses and this and that and I'll tell her to stop because she doesn't know how it is in their home. And I'll say, maybe this is happening. I won't tell her because I do know, but I'll say, maybe this is happening or maybe this is happening. Would you, do you feel comfortable talking about her still? And she'll say no. And I'll say, you know, maybe we should pray for her. Yeah. 
Um, it, it, the gossip, the slander, it teaches our kids to dehumanize people. Yeah. When you're talking about another person, even if you are accurately relaying <laughs> what happened. And, but it's the truth. And oftentimes, <laughs> we don't consider that gossip when we're like literally mm -hmm. recalling an instance. But it's just a moment. It's just an outcome. We don't want to tie people to their outcomes and these experiences, these moments, because the last thing we want to do is sum up a human being and a human experience in such a way that puts people in a box. It again robs them of their humanity and we lose empathy and compassion as a result. It threatens relationships and our ability to do relationship. And the That's last good. thing we want to do is take away the tool of being able to do relationship um or we don't want that we don't we don't want to take that away from our kids yeah that is an important asset that they need um in order to function in this world in order to be who they can potentially be so avoiding the gossip and the slander even if it is the truth is super important yeah it's good well those <laughs> i feel like we went a lot of different places we went to so many different places it was, I, hope it's, I hope it makes sense <laughs> yeah no if not get an interpreter i'm pretty sure cantonese will work um but that is a, a conversation that we we like to talk we talk about a lot of things and we enjoy talking with one another we do and just uh, just uh, again you're not going to agree with everything um but Find the truth in it for yourself and for your parenting and family and hope it's useful. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for listening in. Thanks, baby, for being on the podcast. You are very welcome. My pleasure. You're my pleasure. Okay. All right. See you guys. Bye. Love you. Bye. Yeah, apparently, we need to touch each other. Okay. Babe. <laughs> <laughs>Thanks for tuning in. I hope you heard something throughout the episode that could make all the difference. Please take a moment to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of that blended goodness. Episodes are up and running on the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. Until then, do not settle for anything less than what's possible.